great to hear that old familiar melody of Come Thou Found. It's got that line in it. It says, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And uh, man, how true is that, guys? You know, so let's let the Lord know that we're back today, that uh, we don't want to leave the God we love, that we want to be here and to thank him for all he's done in our lives. So let's stand and do that. Glad you're here, friends. Let's sing together. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet. Sung by flaming tongues above. Praise his name, I'm fixed upon it. Name of God's unchanging love. I was lost in utter darkness Till you came and rescued me And I was bound by all my sin Well, your love came and set me free And now my soul can sing a new song now my heart has found a home And now your grace is always with me And I'll never be alone Oh, what needless pain. 
church today, pleasure to be reminded of our humanity, reminded of our spirituality, reminded that uh, you work in both of those things somehow, and um, God, we just come, we just show up to say, um, we know we're prone to do our own thing, and we want to be back always by your side, and always hearing from you, and always walking with you and always experiencing you. So God, would you uh, be here today in a very powerful way, we pray, we plead. Thank you, Lord, for uh, these old hymns of the faith that uh, remind us, uh, for many of us who grew up, grew up in faith, uh, remind us of some of those younger years when we first met you. And uh, thank you for those memories today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, glad you're here, everybody. Uh, while you're standing, um, just for a moment, uh, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thanks. Yeah, it's on me. I dripped water on myself. I just took a drink. <laughs> hi, I'm Billy. Glad everybody's here today. I'm the worship pastor. And uh, yeah, it's a good day to be at church today. Uh, thanks for coming and honoring God. Uh, you don't need to hear that from me. You don't need my thanks. But um, I think God, maybe the voice of God says, thank you for coming to honor me today. And spend time with me. So God's very proud of that. Good for us to be reminded of that, that uh, 
He delights in our presence, and he delights in our worship and in our praise. So way to go, everybody. Hey, so uh, it's a good day. Uh, got a lot, of things, a lot of things going on this month. It's a good month here at uh, Hopevale. We want to keep in front of you a few things. Um, at the end of the month, our kids' ministry is putting on our Bible camp again, our yearly Bible camp. Huge deal here at church. It's called Amped. And uh, I want you to go online and uh, check it out. You can go to BibleCamp at Hopevale.org or just go to our website and go through the kids' pages and you can find it, things like that. So it's a Monday through Thursday deal, 6.30 to 8.45 evening time. So it kind of works out for families. Uh, Mom and dad or grandma and grandpa or uncle and aunt, guardian, uh, can still go to work and uh, bring little uh, here, which is great. Jody said something last week, our kids' ministry director. She said, you know, statistics tell you that um, a lot of... uh, Kids uh, come to faith uh, in, in, the, in their childhood ages. People come to faith in their childhood ages. And if they don't, chances are less greater that they'll meet God or see God. So um, you got a kid in your life that you want them to see God and meet God and know Christ and know their eternity? Bring them. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. Next on our list, we've got a, this Saturday, we've got a car show. It's called a Vehicles for Veterans. Uh, it's from uh, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. here in this, at the Saginaw campus in the parking lot. So come one, come all, and uh, represent God, represent Hope Vale, and uh, see some cool engines. That would be cool. So um, ushers, if you would, make your way forward. Uh, we're going to prepare to uh, take this morning's offering. You know, Scripture talks about... Um, this giving piece of this tenth, this tithe. And so God talks about it in Malachi. He says, test, test me in this and see if I won't throw the gates of uh, blessing open in your life. Jesus, uh, so God kind of commands that we give to him in some form. Jesus commends it in the New Testament. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, yeah, and he's kind of slamming the Pharisees of the day saying, you know, you should... You should be about those things. You should be about giving, but you're kind of forgetting the more important things like faith and justice and mercy. So Jesus kind of commends this giving. And uh, Paul, uh, all throughout the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul, one of the, write, the writers of m- much of the New Testament, is um, he, he uh, celebrates giving and, and this encourages us to give with jo- uh, joyful hearts and kind of just oh, this over and above and beyond kind of a thing. So whether your personal theology is a tenth of what you have or a little bit of what you have that you can give joyfully or a lot of bit of what you have. Uh, scripture talks about this and it talks about it a lot. And so um, it's kind of weird for a pastor to be up here talking about money because I don't need your money. Uh, God needs your, needs your uh, obedience. Uh, God needs my obedience to say, yeah, God, this is a place where I worship. This is a place where I want to be a blessing uh, through my hands and through my efforts and through my service. And so um, uh, maybe, uh, maybe God's nudging you today a little bit to go to next steps in your faith walk and your journey and giving. Um, so I know that every time I talk about that, I always feel this little prick in my spirit going, ah, yeah, maybe there's a little something more I can do. Uh, not for me, not for all this stuff, and, but for God. And uh, I tell you, we've got a really, really good integral finance team that um, uses our finances and holds everybody accountable super well. So you know that your giving is going to be going to good and right things. So just want to encourage you in that today in scriptures and in life. So let's pray together and uh, we'll continue in worship. Thank you, Lord, for our ushers that serve today. Thank you, Lord, for our teams all over this campus and Bay City campus serving today uh, because they get that uh, all that you've done for them and they want to be a part of your kingdom's work. Uh, Lord, so whether we're able to be a part of that here or a part of that in our community in which we serve, uh, thank you for helping us be part of your work. It doesn't uh, have to be serving at church um, and doing things like that. We could be serving you in other places, but it's a real blessing to serve you at church. So I pray you bless my friends today. As we give, um, we're mindful of how you call us to um, sacrifice. You call us, and not just financially, You call us even more in our heart. You call us even more in our lives to give to you in ways that honor you and bring you glory and help your name shine above all names. So uh, God, um, we trust in that. We rest in that, that uh, you are faithful to your word. And we trust that uh, you you will be glorified with our, our measly efforts. So take what is given today, we pray, and make it grand for your kingdom's sake. Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, go ahead and stay seated while we give. We're going to continue to worship and sing this song we learned last week. It's a good one. Let's sing it together. Through every battle, through every heartbreak, through every circumstance, I believe that you are my fortress and you are my portion you are my hiding place I believe you are the way the truth the life I believe you are the way the truth the life I believe through every blessing, through every promise, through every breath I take. I believe that you are provider, you are protector, you are the one I love, yeah. I believe you are the way, the truth. I'm set on you. You meet me here today. Mercies that are new. And all my fears and doubts, they can all come to. Because they can't stay alone when I am here with you. It's a new horizon. I'm set on you. My fears and doubts, they can all come to because they can't stay alone when I believe you are the way, the truth, the Because he lives 
our midst today. Thank you for the opportunity to um, declare what your scriptures say. Your scriptures say that we are who you say we are, not who we say we are. You call us a child, you call us a friend, you call us your loved, your beloved. And God, we're grateful for your love. I hope today is a day and I hope our whole life is a life that says, thank you for all you've done for us and thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray and say together, amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a seat. Well, good morning. Good morning. Great morning of worship together. I'm Dan Davis, senior pastor here at Hopefell. So good to share this day with you. Want to welcome those of you joining us in Bay City as well. Glad to have you on board. Well, we are several weeks now into our series on worry and anxiety called It Is Well. It Is Well, finding peace in an anxious world. And while today isn't the end of the series, you can see it from here. So before we get to this morning's message, I want to preview the final two Sundays coming up. Um, because really both of them promise to be very personal, very powerful, and very relevant. So next week, on Father's Day, I'm going to be joined on stage by Kathy, my wife. We're going to share a message called, It Is Well With My Home. Huh? Pretty catchy, right? It is well with my home. And so in our time together, we want to speak uh, practically, biblically, about worry and anxiety when it comes to marriage and family issues, right? And just things that we've personally learned through the years. So that's coming up and, you know, truth be told, I'm feeling a little anxious about this one, right? Because who knows how many ways I'm gonna mess up between now and next Sunday, so just, right? And then after that, the week after that, the last Sunday in June, we're going to wrap up the series with a panel discussion that I'm really excited about. So I'm going to moderate a conversation with Pastor Ken, who's going to bring a pastoral and church ministry perspective. We're also going to be joined by a professional counselor who attends our church, along with another member who has personally wrestled with anxiety in her life and has just been really open about her struggles. And so we're going to share all those together and looking forward to that because I really believe there's going to be something for everyone in that message. So that's what's coming up. But today, I want to talk about us, us, all of us, those, those of us who make up this church family called Hopewell. See, up to this point in this series, the focus has been individual, right? Each one of us individually and how our own personal reliance on the Lord can help us overcome our worries and anxieties and all that we're going through. And so we've had messages like seeking well and praying well and last week thinking well, where we've looked at the words of Jesus, the words of the Apostle Paul, and seen what it means to rely on God's power and to trust in God's plan. And while we're not gonna be superstitious because there are no magic fixes for anxiety, we can be hopeful because of Jesus. We can be hopeful because of Jesus, that he cares for us and he is in control. We find strength in the words that we've seen throughout this series. Again, John 14, verse 27, where Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That because of Jesus Christ, finding greater peace in this anxious world of ours is possible. It's possible because there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that can keep us from the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love that our God has for us through his Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's where the peace comes from. That's where we've got to find it. And then it's the Holy Spirit who indwells every Christian believer who gives us the power to live and to remain in that peace. You know, I just want to make sure everyone here understands that, right? That this is who Jesus is and this is who Jesus wants to be for us. But it's only going to be possible when we personally respond to Jesus. When we respond to Jesus, right? 
trusting him personally as our savior, following him fully as our Lord. And so if that's who Jesus is to you, then rejoice and fear not because he is your Prince of Peace. But if that's not who Jesus is to you, then I invite you. I invite you to personally acknowledge your need for a savior and to believe and to trust fully in Jesus Christ to be that savior for you, right? This is what it means to be a Christian. This is how we experience the blessings of God's prevailing peace, both in the moment and for all eternity. And so I invite you, if you've never made that kind of commitment, to give God your faith, to give God your trust, to take that step of faith. And if you've got questions, you know, we'd love to talk with you. You can talk to any of us on staff after the service, reach out to us during in the week, because we certainly want to tell you more and answer your questions about who Jesus is and just his incredible, incredible love for you. Well, like I said earlier, you know, as we've been looking at worry and anxiety, it's been mostly, you know, a me focus, right? Me and my anxiety. And that's not bad, right? Because we've all got to personally work through that. But today, I want to make this shift. And and we're going to move the focus from me to we. From me to we. I've entitled today's message, Caring Well, because I truly believe that in addition to everything else we've already looked at in this series, that one of the huge keys that can help us with our anxiousness is right in this room. It's right in this room. It's you, it's me, it's all of us as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ and fellow members of his body. That God can use every single one of us as channels of his blessing. That the peace he gives to us can also flow through us and make a positive difference in the lives of those around us who are struggling with worry and anxiety. You've heard me say this practically every week, that we as people created in God's image were fearfully and wonderfully made, that God has woven together our body, soul, mind, and spirit, and so the mental, emotional, physical, social, spiritual sides to who we are, they're all intertwined, right? All these aspects to who we are, they're intertwined and they can influence our experience both of peace or anxiety. Just this past week, I was looking at a non-religious mental health website. And the experts there essentially acknowledge the same thing, even though there's nothing spiritual in their approach. And so, for instance, when they talk about dealing with anxiety, about improving mental health, they say things like, well, eat well, sleep well, right? Exercise. And it's good advice, but it's really more physical advice than mental, right? They also mention checking in with others, right? Friends, family, counselors. Again, good stuff, but just reinforcing this whole idea that the social and relational sides to who we are, they affect our mental well-being, our emotional well-being, our spiritual well-being too, right? My point is this, that you don't have to be a trained counselor. You don't have to be a paid professional to make a genuine difference in the life of someone else who's struggling with worry and anxiety. You don't. No, you just need to be willing to reach out to be present, to care well, and then God can and will use your availability. He really will to help bring peace to the anxious and hope to the hurting. And so how does that happen? How can we do that? What does it look like? Well, that's what I want us to explore today. And to do that, we're going to go back to the words of the Apostle Paul, but this time in a different New Testament book, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is actually the very first chapter, and so if you have a Bible with you, paper or electronic, you can go there with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can also access our message notes either through the YouVersion app or our own Hopevale app. Now, 2 Corinthians is the second letter we have, the Apostle Paul and his words to a group of Christians in a Mediterranean city called Corinth. These were Christians that he was mentoring from afar. Now, in the first letter to them called 1 Corinthians, we learn that this church is a mess. It's a mess. There is a lot of selfish, immature, and immoral behavior going on among some of the Christians there. And so Paul uses a very direct and sometimes very harsh tone with them. And it's not that he doesn't love them. No, he does. After all, 1 Corinthians is where you find Paul's greatest words on the power of love in chapter 13, right? It's just that he knew they needed to be called out 
on some stuff for their own good. But then sometimes later, when you get to 2 Corinthians, Paul softens his approach a bit because he knows that they also need some encouragement along the way. And so after his initial greeting in 2 Corinthians, he sets the tone for 13 chapters of instruction and direction. And so after that, he, he begins with these words of praise, directing our hearts to God. Verse three, chapter one, this is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. I love how Paul describes the God that we've been worshiping today. Not only is he the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he is also the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Father of compassion, you know, even going back to the Old Testament, compassionate and gracious. These are the very self-descriptive words that our Lord uses as he reveals himself to Moses, right? The point being that God just doesn't act with compassion. He is compassion. And not only that, he's also the God of all comfort. The God of all, now don't be thrown off by this word comfort, right? We hear the word comfort and we think soft mattresses and fluffy pillows, a a life of ease, right? The idea for Paul here is far different than that, right? It's not comfort instead of our suffering. No, it's comfort in the midst of our suffering, right? Not comfort instead of suffering. It's comfort in the midst of our suffering. And it's the kind of comfort that's linked with companionship, companionship. Now, not to get all Bible nerdy on you, but in the original New Testament, back in the first century, it was written in the Greek language, and the Greek word that Paul uses here for comfort is a variation on the same word that Jesus uses to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit, where he is called the counselor, he is called the helper, he is called the advocate, he is called the comforter, depending on the translation, but the word The literal word paraclete there means something like this, someone who comes alongside to help. Someone who comes alongside to help. It's this whole idea of comfort through companionship. And so we go back to the passage. Don't miss this. When we say that God is the God of all comfort, we're talking about him being present with us in our worry and anxiety. You might remember this from earlier in this series about the beliefs in our heads and our hearts that make us anxious, those two beliefs, right? The feeling like it's out of control and I'm in it alone. It's out of control and I'm in it alone. Paul addresses that here and he says, no. No, you're not in this alone. That there is a father of compassion, there is a God of all comfort who is not only caring for us, but he's also present with us. You know, if you think about that long enough, it should blow your mind, right? This whole idea of God, the almighty, all-powerful creator and sustainer of everyone and everything in this vast universe of ours, right? That the one with infinite knowledge about all things also, also has intimate care for your thing. The one with infinite knowledge about all things also has intimate care for your thing. That thing that you are going through right now It's got your mind racing and your heart beating fast. And so back to the passage, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Verse four, look at this, who comforts us in all our troubles. All our troubles are like we saw in the Philippians chapter four, in every situation or affliction or trial or whatever is making us worried and anxious, whether it's real or imagined, that the God that we worship has this infinite supply of comfort. He has this incredible storehouse of peace that he's just waiting for us to experience. You could picture it this way, right? That God who reigns in the heavens above has a comfort that he wants to pour out to each one of us that when we look to and rely upon him, he'll minister his comfort to us by entering into our troubles with us. See, you and I, we're not in this alone. We're not, no, God is right there with us, with his comfort. And not only that, look at the rest of verse four. Who comforts us in all our troubles so that 
We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Do you see what's going on here? That the comfort you and I personally experience from God isn't meant to stop with us. It's not, no, what we experience from God in our troubles, we're meant to turn around and express that to others in their own troubles. That looks something like this then, right? The diagram continues. God pours out his comfort upon us and we in turn extend it to others, right? That the blessings of God's peace and comfort that he gives to us are blessings that are meant to be shared, not hoarded. Shared, not hoarded, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with what? With the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Right? And it's that same kind of come alongside to help companionship comfort that God in his presence gives to us. This is what it means for us to care well. This is what it means for how we can help each other find greater peace in this anxious world of ours. I can't stress enough how important this is, right? To know that we can be used as God's instruments of healing and empowerment to others in our lives who struggle with worry and anxiety. And again, we're, we're helping not because we're special. No, we're, we're helping because we've been blessed. Remember the passage. Remember the diagram. Like this supernatural comfort comes from God through us and then to others, right? So don't underestimate the difference you can make. I was reading about anxiety for this series. You know, virtually all the experts talk about the connection between loneliness and anxiety. Loneliness and anxiety. Now, where it breaks down a little bit is whether loneliness is a cause of anxiety or a symptom of anxiety, so the cause crowd says that because we are social beings, we become more anxious when we don't feel like we have any friends or there's no one there to support us. And then because we feel that way, it makes it even harder for us to meet others, to make friends, or even just to leave the house. But then the symptom crowd says that, no, anxious people, they choose their isolation. It's a symptom of their anxiety. That because social situations stress them out, they find some calm in being alone. Now, while we all need alone time to recharge our batteries, you know, constantly pulling away from people, though, only makes it worse. And so is it a cause or is it a symptom? Well, to me, it's an endless cycle. Like this diagram points out, it's just an end where one feeds on the other and there's just this infinite loop that multiplies our anxieties, right? We all go through that. Now, just to be clear, right, I know that social anxiety is a real disorder, that some people find it really hard to talk to others, to make eye contact with people, to walk into a big room like this, right? I get that. So I'm not suggesting that everyone needs to be a raging extrovert, but what I am saying is this, is that even if it's just one or two close friends, we need other people. We do because when we're alone in our anxiety, that's when we are really susceptible to the lies of the enemy. Satan himself, who is called in scripture a deceiver, who is called the father of lies, and so as we're caught in this spin cycle of loneliness and anxiety, we can easily be led to believe lies like we're worthless. That nobody cares for us. That God doesn't love us. That our lives have no meaning. Or that every single possible worry that pops into our heads will actually come to pass. That's why we need to care well for each other because sometimes our minds do get messed up, our thinking's not clear, our emotions run rampant, we lose sight of the truth and it causes anxiety to multiply within us and overwhelm our hearts and so God uses our involvement with people, with each other, our come alongside to help comfort, to break that cycle, that loneliness anxiety cycle and to reorient people back to the rock solid truth of the gospel and God's great love for them. That's why we can make a difference. So let's get practical about this. When it comes to caring well as a church and helping those who struggle with worry and anxiety, what are some things we can do specifically for each other? What are some specifics? Well, to answer that, I want you to think about anxiety in a couple different categories, okay? A couple different categories. That first, you have universal and circumstantial anxiety that's common to all, right? We are all fallen and finite creatures living in a fickle and frightening world. 
None of us are immune to life's uncertainties, that there's some circumstances will blindside us out of nowhere. It'll rat, they'll rattle our, place, our peace. So because of that, we are, all of us, going to get anxious about something at some time to some degree. Even us pastors, even those of us here who are further along the spiritual maturity spectrum. And so when you walk into church, don't be fooled into thinking that everyone else has got their act together and you're the only one falling apart, right? No, there is a universal, there is a circumstantial anxiety that is common to all of us. But then there's also a unique and complicated anxiety that's specific to some, right? This is where we're talking about the world of anxiety disorders, that for whatever reason, right, genetic disposition, childhood trauma, spiritual oppression, emotional imbalance, or some other cause that can't be explained, there are some of you here who struggle with anxiety in a way that the rest of us have simply not experienced. And so we need to acknowledge this dynamic as well as we think about being a church that cares well for each other, realizing there are certain people who are dealing with a unique and complicated anxiety that's specific to some. So let's take these one by one, right? What are ways we can help in both these situations? First, universal anxiety that's common to all. This is the anxiety that Paul's talking about in Philippians 4, 6, and 7 when he says, do not be anxious about anything, right? Because we all have that experience. How can we care well for each other here in this? Well, let me share a few thoughts. First of all, we can pray for people in their presence, Pray for people in their presence. James 5, 16 says that we're to pray for one another and that God can bring about healing through those prayers as a result. Now, there certainly is value in telling someone that you're going to pray for them and then afterwards later do so in the privacy of your own home, right? But I got to tell you that there is something really powerful when we pray for them right then and there, right? When they're hearing our voice, when they're feeling our touch, when they're sensing our concern. You know, there are times we purposefully do this here in the church. As an elder board, as a staff, as a matter of fact, just this past week, our, our, our lay elders surrounded me at the close of our meeting. They laid hands on me and prayed for me. It was such a meaningful experience. Likewise, this past week, we as a staff gathered around our children's ministry team and prayed for them heading into Bible camp later on this month, which certainly is an exciting time, but also can be a very stressful time. I know the same dynamic also goes on in our community groups as friends pray for their other friends going through anxious times, right? These things matter. Pray for people in their presence. You know, we believe in this so strongly that we're actually going to take some time to do that today. The end of the service, after the message, both in Saginaw and in Bay City, that if you'd like someone to pray with you, to pray for you because you're going through anxious and worried moments, we'll have church leaders right up front, the service at the end, who'd love to pray for you, right? Praying for people in their presence. We're in this together, right? And praying for each other is one of the ways we can care well for each other as a church. Here's another. Remind others of who they are to Jesus, Remind others of who they are to Jesus. I touched on this earlier when I mentioned the connection between loneliness and anxiety and how susceptible we can be to the lies of the enemy. I mean, let's be honest that there are times when we can get so wrapped up with the worry that we don't feel like picking up a Bible or going to church, or even if we do, our mind is so distracted that we just can't focus and nothing quite sticks. That's why sometimes God can use us to reinforce to others what they already know to be true about his love, but somehow because of their anxiety, they're not seeing it, they're not feeling it, or they're not believing it in the moment. I think of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He writes this, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. I love that. Paul says, I want to remind you He's not telling them something, anything new. He says, no, I, I want to remind you of what's already true in your life. And so if you're with someone who's going through a worrisome time, don't feel like you got to be a Bible scholar. Don't feel like you need to come up with something clever and insightful. No, just remind them of who they are to Jesus. 
that in Christ they are beloved, accepted, secure, a son, a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and part of his forever family. That God is for them so who can be against them? That as they seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, God will take care of the rest. Remind others of who they are to Jesus. And then third, invite friends into caring community. Caring, see that's who we as a church are supposed to be for each other. We're supposed to be a caring community. And so there are those times that we're going to be on the giving end of that care, but then there are also times when we need to be on the receiving end of that care. And you know what? The healing power of care works better among friends than strangers. The healing power of care works better among friends than strangers. And so if you are someone who is more established here at Hopevale, reach out to someone who's less established here at the church and newer to us, right? And that goes for all occasions, all ages. It might be the, the, the people you sit next to in a service. It might be youth ministries, college ministries, aftershock ministries, adult community groups, adult classes, ministry volunteer teams, the, the can-do crew service team, even our young at hearts ministry to seniors, right? But the more we can be relationally connected to each other, the better we'll be able to minister to each other through these bouts of worry and anxiety that are common to all of us. And so these are some practical steps we can take to help people in the midst of this universal anxiety, right? But then as I mentioned earlier, there's another kind of anxiety that is unique, that's specific to some of us in a way that the rest of us won't fully understand. And you know this past week that really hit home, didn't it? So we heard of these sad and tragic stories of two very high profile celebrities Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, taking their own lives at the height of their fame and popularity that those even closest to them were shocked by the news. Now I want to begin to say I understand right, the kind of despair a person must be experiencing to make a choice like that. But it's certainly heartbreaking to think about it, isn't it? So what should I say when it comes to us ministering to the rest of us? Well, a passage of scripture came to mind that for me, I think begins, begins to give us a framework for helping where and when we can. Second, uh, for, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14. Paul says this, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, encourage the disheartened, disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And as I read these words, my prayer is that God would soften our hearts. God would make us aware to the hurting people around us. Not that it's all on us to cure them and to solve their problems by ourselves. That's not what I'm saying. But if there is something we know we can do, then by the grace of God, let's act upon that. So here are a few ideas. First, be present. If God's comfort truly is a come alongside to help comfort, for us, then we too need to come alongside those who are struggling. Isolation, withdraw, these are some of the major signs of people who are dealing with extreme anxiety and emotional suffering. And so yeah, maybe we do need to give people their space now and again and not constantly be pestering them, right? But we shouldn't back off completely or abandon them entirely. And so if God has placed someone like this in your life, then be present. Reach out to them. Let them know you care because, you know, they're not going to initiate with you. They're not. So be present. Second, be patient. This is the part where you and I can't assume we know what they're going through because we don't. So resist the urge of telling them just to snap out of it, right? Because you're only going to do more harm than good. Listen, if you're going to genuinely help someone like this in your life who's wrestling with an anxiety order, then let me just tell you up front, you're signing up to get frustrated, right? Just know that up front, that you're going to be frustrated. Chances are they're not going to return your calls and texts. Chances are you're going to have to ride a roller coaster of emotions with their mood swings, right? Improving one day, relapsing the next. It's hard, but you can make a difference. So understand, not only be present with them, be patient with them. 
After all, Paul says we're to help the weak, not fix the weak, right? And then third, point them to help. Point them to help. Not all of us are mental health professionals and we don't need to be mental health professionals. So let's help them where and when we can, but let's also encourage them to connect with experts in the field who, who bring a more specialized help and healing to all aspects of who they are, body, soul, mind, and spirit. If you don't know where to turn to point them for help, reach out to our staff. We'd be able to help you find the right resources for them. Right? So be, be present, be patient, point them to help. I mean, these are just some of the ways that the rest of us can help those among us who struggle with a unique and a complicated anxiety that's specific to some of us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is how a church cares well for each other. And I got to tell you, I know that you get this. You really do. That as a pastor here at Hopewell, I've been on the receiving end of this, I've been on the giving end of this kind of comfort. Not only that, but I've had a front row seat for years watching you care well for each other and watching you care well for others that God has brought into your life. So keep it up. That as God comforts you in all your troubles, take that same comfort you've received from him and then express it to the anxious and the hurting around you. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then after that, we're going to close with a brief chorus of worship followed by a time up front for those who want to be prayed for, like I mentioned earlier. Now, if that's not for you, that's fine, right? Just leave the auditorium after we sing, and I dismiss you. But again, if you'd like someone to pray with you, stick around afterwards and come up front. And let this be a time, a moment, when we can truly care well for each other. Let's pray together. God, we have worshiped you today. We've sung our praises to you and you have shown us that you are the father of compassion, the God of all comfort, and that your comfort in our worry and anxiety is a come alongside to help comfort. And that as the father of compassion, you hurt when we hurt that you're not distant and uninvolved, but you're present and compassionate. God, we wanna know that comfort, that peace. We wanna experience that peace. And then we wanna share it with others to the people that you bring across our paths that we feel called to be a vessel, to be a channel of your blessing from God through us to others. So open our eyes, open our hearts, make us available so that God, together, we can be instruments of your hope and healing to the anxious, to the worried among us. Jesus, thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that many of us know that peace and you're inviting all of us to personally know that peace. And thank you that you are present with us, that you care for us, that you're in control, and that because of that, we truly can be a church that cares well. So let us do that, Lord, not just today, but in days and weeks and months and years to come. For the good of others and the glory of your name, we pray through Jesus. Amen. partners, if you would make your way forward right now, let's all stand and prepare to um, sing this song, this prayer. Guys, I feel like we could sing this song at the end of every service, every Sunday, to say, God, help me apply what I just heard. Help me do the things you want me to do. And God, I need you to do it so, so very desperately. So let's sing this and pray this together before we go. Lord, I need you, Lord.
the Lord. So as you go from here, may you go in the comfort and compassion of our great God. God bless you.